The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus came from Galilee to John at Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so for now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill the righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved with whom I am well pleased. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Today is... Um, most uh, important day because we are going to reflect a bit, talk a bit on uh, the baptism of uh, Jesus. I was reading a story about uh, a drunkard who was drunk and he stumbled into a baptismal service one afternoon where a pastor was baptizing people in the river. So he walked straight into the river and stood next to the pastor. So pastor assuming, you know, when somebody comes like that, you know, they want to be baptized. So the pastor asked him, do you want to find him? Yes, of course, he said. So immediately the pastor dunked him, like put him under the water, then pulled him right back up and asked him, did you find him? He said, no, I didn't find him. So again, second time, he just put him in the water and he pulled him up. And then he asked him, did you find him? No, I didn't find him. So, you know, pastor's patience sometimes, because you already prepare your congregation how you have to answer. So he was like, what? Like second time also he says no. And then third time, he just puts him under water, holding him at least 30 seconds. And then he pulls him back up. Now he's sure that he's going to say yes. So he'll ask him again, did you find him? So this guy says, are you sure that Jesus fell here in this place? <laughs> Sometimes we think baptism is something like that. You need a proof, you need evidence that you have somebody walking with you. But baptism is an outward symbol of inward grace you experience. It is an identity God gives that he has owned you, he has chosen you, he made you as his son and as his daughter. Baptism over the years, people have debated, argued about it, about things like you know, when you have to baptize, how it has to be baptized, whether it has to be immersion baptism or it has to be a sprinkling baptism. But whatever it is, Baptism signifies that you're dead to old life and you're born again to a new life. The water has, has this uh, cleansing power which cleanses you, which purifies you. It's uh, a sacred ritual that all the past is gone symbolically and you're born afresh, new in Jesus Christ in baptism. The same water which is life-threatening, which can suffocate you, which can kill you. The water which, um, when you see it, you see it with fear. Sometimes it fascinates and sometimes you have that grandeur in it. 
the same water that is so threatening and suffocating water can still give you life and give you a refreshing life in Jesus Christ. So having said this, when we look into this baptism of Jesus Christ in um, Matthew 3, 13 to 17 verses, it is only in Matthew's gospel you find the dialogue between John the Baptist and Jesus Christ. The baptism of Jesus is mentioned both in Mark gospel and in Luke gospel, but this dialogue, this conversation is lost. So Jesus walks into, comes to the river Jordan uh, to be baptized by John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is surprised because he has been proclaiming and announcing that the one who is coming, he is going to baptize me with fire and spirit, but I'm going to baptize you only with water, and I'm not worthy even to untie uh, the sandals of his feet. So he keeps telling about Jesus as son of God, as Messiah, how great he is, and now he sees Jesus there coming to John the Baptist to be baptized. One scholar puts it so beautifully, it is a paradoxical blend of uh, grandeur or magnificence and humility. Paradoxical blend of magnificence and humility. Jesus, being a son of God, he humbled himself where he's allowing John the Baptist to baptize him. Many a times in this context, even back in my country, when you try to do other people's roles, immediately they will alert you, they'll warn you, you are stepping on my line. So sometimes we have to not just be serving others, we have to allow others also to serve us. Sometimes we miss that point, which means you have to let go. Baptism is something, I, I remember one of the story, uh, stories where a pastor was baptizing and this um, lady had a top knot and then when he was baptizing, she says, be careful pastor, this shouldn't get wet, this shouldn't get wet, the hair. So baptism is something you have to completely give yourself. It's not that something you just like, no, uh, keep it to yourself. Only this part can be baptized. Only that part can be baptized. You are fully into uh, identity of God's uh, child here. So Jesus is allowing John the Baptist and he says, it is okay for now because we are fulfilling the righteousness. We are fulfilling. If you go and read those verses, it's beautifully said, like, can I really baptize you? John the Baptist is asking. Jesus says, it is okay. It, it is, it, so it be now to fulfill the righteousness. I spoke sometime back about righteousness. Righteousness in a Jewish uh, and Israelite context is a behavior, a character, an ethical response to God, being in right relationship with God. But here it is fulfilling the will of God, being obedient to the will of God. Even in the Old Testament lesson it says, I have called you in righteousness. I've called you in righteousness so that your identity is me. 
So you cannot worship any gods. You cannot be like pagan people, but your identity is me. I have owned you as my own. I have owned you as my own. So here, um, Jesus is telling, it is to fulfill the righteousness, let it be for now, you baptize me. So immediately after the baptism here, we see the heavens open up and we hear the theophany voice saying, this is my son and I'm well pleased with him. This is my son. Even in Luke's gospel and Mark's gospel, you don't find the word this. You are my beloved son, it says, but in Matthew it says, this is my son. So God has chosen, God is speaking, yes, and he's saying, this is my son. I'm well pleased with him. I think the voice here, again, in Psalm, it resonates so beautifully. The voice of God is thunder. The voice of God is splendor. The voice of God is lightning. So many ways we can see the voice of God here. But at the same time, the voice of God can bring, you, bring back life in you. The voice of God can give you a new life, change you into a new leaf. The voices, I... I wanted this baptismal font here because baptism is something which should transport us to who we are and why we are here. Who we are and why we are here. What is our identity? It is not a victory of human beings knowing and identifying. I know my identity, who I am, why we are here. But rather knowing the mind of God. Clothe yourselves with the mind of God. Clothe yourselves with love. Baptism is something that time and again, it reminds you of your identity, who you are and why you're here and what for you're called into this world. So every sanctuary in every church, mainline denominations, we see the font at the back. So people, when they walk in, they put a cross symbol just one second, reaffirming themselves that they are the children of God. Because we tend to listen to many voices in this world. Many of us were baptized when we were really, really small. Small doesn't matter that we don't hear any voices. You know the atrocities, things that are happening to kids, even as young kids. So these voices try to dominate us, try to succumb us, try to kill us. But the voice of God says, you're my child. The world may just like, no, despise you. The world may just disregard you, just like, no, discourage you. But I am, I already taken you as my child. What a great assurance, what a great uh, uh, saving plan God has in us. Laurel Daigle's song, um, I hear many voices that say that I'm not enough. Did you ever listen to that song? I hear many voices that say I'm not enough. So the, the lyrics goes like, no, I'm weak, but you say I'm strong. I say I'm not worthy, but you, you say I'm worthy. So she, she keeps singing that song and she says, but I believe you. I believe you. We need that kind of voice. 
Would anyone say that? Sometimes even our biological parents, or even our siblings, even our friends, in, any may, any, in many ways, people just discourage you, make you feel that you're not worthy enough, you're not fit for that thing, whatever you're doing. But in Acts of Apostles, again, it says, there is no partiality in this baptism. Everybody are called to be children of God. Everybody are called to be children of God. Baptism is not the forgiveness of sin. Sometimes people think that if we get baptized, we are like no forgiven of our sins. That defeats the purpose of why Jesus had come into this world to forgive our sins on the cross. Baptism is coming to a realization or an understanding that you are guilty, you are sinful, and you need to be cleansed from that original sin. John the Baptist was preaching that message, that gospel, I would say. Repent, metanoia, change of mind, change of mind that I am child of God. What more privilege can we get than that? The privilege to be sons and daughters of God. So through baptism, God has owned us. He has given that identity. And our duty is to be obedient and to do the will with humility, letting go our egos, whatever is holding us back, to fully experience this sacrament of baptism where the God's power is there to fulfill us and just see us through. Harper Lee's book, Killing a Mockingbird, offers a vision to the community in two ways. She says a community has a potential to create two groups. One group is of tolerance, of love, and to be brave and courageous. Other group is fear, greed, and being very judgmental or being very biased. So it is the community which actually promotes or you know, creates these kinds of groups. And if I put it in a church context, we see many people being baptized and grown, getting conformed. But as God-parents, as church, it is our duty to raise them up as people, as a family of God, to take care of them and support them. And our roles should shape them that always they believe that they're not abandoned but they're always in that comfort, in that embrace of God and the church. May God bless these words, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.